Today's episode of Locked On Suns, all about respect. The Suns finally starting to get some of it. And uh, just like three months too late. Aaron Edwards is here. We'll break down the MVP race, Mikhail Bridges' recent growth, and Aaron will uh, praise a fellow Aaron coming up on Locked On Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a contributor at suns.com as well as Dime Magazine and a credentialed media member covering the Suns the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen each and every day. We are headed into a break, but the show is not going anywhere. Thank you to everybody who helped us grow the YouTube channel. Aaron, we're finally over 1,000 subscribers. I don't know if you saw. Big news, more money our way. (laughs) Um, But it's a huge milestone. And so I wanted to repeat myself because my last show was not on YouTube when I actually announced this because of technical difficulties. But that means the Kelly Oubre bobblehead is headed out the door. Somebody lucky between now and the end of next week, if you send me some sort of proof that you sub- that you subscribe to the channel because YouTube does not show me all of your names, then I will randomly select and it could be yours. Uh, of course, big shout out to everybody listening across all podcast platforms as well. And you can keep up with everything at Locked On PHX Suns on Twitter. Every show, every game, we are hanging out there. So let's dive in, Aaron. Um, first of all, we're heading into All-Star Weekend. Can you tell me why the NBA does its All-Star game at the wrong time? Like, nothing about the timing of this event makes any sense. Everybody gets their traded players, and then they have a week to figure it out, and then they go into a break. And I saw something. The Clippers have played 61 games already. I think the Suns have played, like, 71% of their total game. Like, why does it happen so far into the season? Yeah, it's really ridiculous. I think that they – I think it's – the, the NBA kind of being scared of the NFL. I think it's that kind of thing still. And I think yeah. waiting until the NFL season is completely over just makes sense ratings-wise for All-Star Weekend because the NFL is still just like this big bad when it comes to the NBA for some reason. I don't know like why they still treat it that way. But they kind of – most leagues kind of just run away from any big thing the NFL has going on on the weekend. And – and I remember like the trade deadline thing is weird because I remember like Boogie got traded during the All-Star game once. And oh, it just yeah. seems like way later this year. So it's kind of weird that like it kind of went out this way that it happened like a week before All-Star break. That is completely <laughs> true. He got traded like a little bit early and that was on All-Star night. And then yeah. now it's like a full week and a half afterward. Yeah, that you're right about the NFL thing. I'm sure that's part of it. I guess to me, I'm probably looking at it from the wrong angle because I'm not like a guy who really cares about the All-Star game. Like I, It used to be appointment viewing for me, and then I just feel like the guys don't take it as seriously anymore. And But I look, even last year, which was like a down year for it, 6 million people watch, which is like you know three times as much as a, like a really highly viewed regular season game. So yeah. It, <laughs> It pulls people in. I guess that makes sense. It's on. It's always on a Sunday too, so of course you don't want it to be where the NFL is. I would. I don't know. Why can't you do it the maybe the week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl? That seems like a better window. But yeah, uh, we're we're not going to fix the NBA today. What I want to <laughs> talk about first is Chris Paul in the MVP race. Um, Kellen Olson over at Arizona Sports wrote a piece today about Devin Booker actually in the 
MVP race. I don't think I've ever really asked you about this, but where do you come down kind of first of all on like which guy you give more of the credit to or who's more valuable? How, how do you think about the difference between Book and Chris in terms of like MVP and awards and stuff like that? I think before the playoff run, I would have probably said Chris Paul, but like you can tell that Book has learned and even when Chris Paul got um, ejected yesterday, he just didn't skip a beat. He knew that it was his time to do what Chris Paul does. And I think he knows he can do that if he needs to. And I think just having a dude that plays his part, even as a superstar, book plays his part with Chris Paul on the floor, and he does what he has to do. But yesterday it shows that he can still do that before Chris Paul stuff, running the point and getting other people involved and getting his own shots. So I think like, as far as just like MVPs on our team, I think book the fact that he plays his part and he's a leader and he doesn't do more than he's asked to. And when he does have to do it, he does it. I think book would be the MVP of our team because I think if book falls, I don't think, I mean, he did before earlier, but I just don't think Chris Paul's just that dude that you want to give you 27 and 10 and just like have to do all the stuff that he would need to do without book on the floor. Yeah, I was completely on that side of it. And the and the game against the Rockets was a perfect example. I, I talked about that a lot on the recap of the of the game, which was just you could see literally like it's cheesy to say, but like in his eyes, like that ejection happened. The Suns were playing with their food. Like the Rockets should not have been having okay. a lead on them. And Book was like, All right, you know, like screw all this. Like we're going into the break with a win. We're not letting this streak die because of the damn Rockets. And like he just he just did it. And I always think of the the phrase, I don't know if you remember David Griffin, who mostly when he was with the Cavs would say this um, when he was around LeBron during those years. And he would say, he would always say LeBron had the ability to dictate outcomes of games. Like, and I always thought that was the best way to describe what LeBron can do. Um, yeah. Just like, okay, the game, I own this game. I might lose it, but I own it. Like it is under yeah. my control, right? And I think, I would have always said in the past the same exact thing as you. I thought the de- like the degree of difficulty of what book has to do is just higher. There's so few players who can just create shots like he can and and make yeah. them at a at an efficient level. His turnovers are down this year. Like there is an incredible case to be made for book to be the MVP of this team, to get MVP votes in general in the NBA this year, but I've flipped on it actually. Um, I, I, I lean more toward Chris this year, especially because I feel like, yes, when he was out with injuries and COVID and whatnot during the playoffs, like book more than capably filled in the Suns won those games, but he hasn't missed a game this year. And he, I think more than anybody else, the Suns have gotten better this year. And I think that's the part where Chris jumps into the conversation more for me because I think he's more responsible for why they've improved. Like you can look at Cam Johnson's development. You can look at the Suns, uh, Mikhail Bridges development. You can look at the Suns willingness to like play fast, which is something Chris has never done in his entire yeah. life. Um, we could look at, you know, the, the way the, the system and the culture that they've built, where we're going to talk about Aaron holiday, the fact that he's just been able to slide right in the fact that Tory Craig looks like, you know, prime Blake Griffin out there in the pick and roll all of a sudden since he's been here for a couple games. And to me, a lot of that stuff goes to Chris and the the like advanced stats have always favored Chris in that regard too. Like when he's out there, the numbers, whatever one you look at, like they tend to say that, you know, that that's the reason the Suns are great. So 
I, it, it's just one of those things, though, where it's like on the MVP side of things. And Chris said this himself when he was talking to J.J. Redick, like you have to score. Yeah, <laughs> you got to score to win the MVP, and we're not gonna. I don't know if we'll ever get another Steve Nash type MVP where it's like, oh, he made the team better, and he, you know, he, he was filling the stat sheet and whatnot, but like he never scored yeah. twenty. Like I, we just don't do MVP that way anymore. Yeah, and Chris Paul, he says on that same pod, he was like the year that he averaged like twenty five and ten, and he like he was all win four steals. Like he thought he had it in the bag, and honestly, I thought he did too. <laughs> and I just don't think like he just has it in his game. And that was with the slower pace that him and David West were playing. And I just don't think he has it in him to just get those type of shots up right now and not get everybody else in the team involved. Like he knows he has to get eight in the ball. He knows he has to get Bridges' touches and he knows Book needs his touches too. And I just think back then the pace was so much slower. He couldn't like pace his shots with getting other people's shots as slow as the game was played back then. Do you think they both get votes this year? Yeah, I don't think we, I think the fact that our, like our record just dictates that we have to get somebody with votes. Like if we end up winning 65, there's going to be like an outcry if we don't have a person that gets votes. Like, I don't know how those Atlanta teams, cause I hate how people compare us to them, even though like we were so much better than That's those teams. And I just look like they didn't have any players like that, that yeah. were like superstars. They just had like a decent coach and a good team. And, and I just conference. think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like with Book and Chris Paul, I think those two are just going to split votes and we're just like so good to where it's like, I just don't think you cannot vote for one of our guys. Yeah, I think either way, they're definitely going to be more represented on this than they were last year. Like it's honestly crazy even to think how how little there was last year for for the Suns and also for the Jazz. Rudy Gobert yeah. got eight points and I don't even I don't exactly always remember how the the points part works but like Gobert had eight Donovan Mitchell nowhere to be found they were the one seed and then the Suns Paul finished fifth he got two first place votes out of I believe it's just a hundred voters and book didn't get a single vote Ben Simmons got a vote Russell Westbrook got votes with the what with the Wizards Derek Rose got votes like uh, it's stupid. It was stupid last year down the ballot. And so I think I think book is is without a doubt going to be on the ballot, which, you know, I you know, I don't think he's a type of guy to, to take the, you know, the, the easy, good feel good stuff and, and have it be yeah. a big part of what he's what he's going for. Like all NBA, he's certainly going to be in the running for. That's yeah. really impressive and important. And that'll be his first time doing that. It'll probably be a, a split situation. It still feels like Jokic and Bede and Giannis are at the top, just kind of like they were last year, frankly. So it'll take a lot to get there. But I will also point out again, a lot of those guys missed time because of COVID. Chris Paul, far and away, is leading the pack in games played. So I don't know. I think if the Suns keep winning at this pace and get close to 70 wins, like it's going to be really hard to not ignore him or, or to ignore him and We'll have to see, but uh, that's the theme of the show, the respect stuff. I kind of want to talk about Mikhail Bridges here because I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I don't think that was ever super realistic, yeah. but I do think he's getting a little more buzz on the defensive player of the year front again, and uh, he's just been playing out of his mind. So let's get to that in just a sec. First, though, guys, today's show brought to you by BetOnline.net, the official sportsbook partner of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Football might be over this season, but basketball is full steam ahead on both the pro and college side from all the latest odds, totals, 
and player performance props to where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for scores as well as podcasts and news. They have content on the site now these days as well. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games if you're just looking to pass the time and don't have time to head to a casino. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the latest trends in action across the sports landscape. BetOnline, where the game starts. I kind of want to use this opportunity of Mikhail playing so well, Aaron, to kind of look back on his contract because it, it felt like a steal at the time. Yeah, I thought it was a steal at the time. <laughs> it, it, like, was considerably lower than I think any of the stuff we were talking about. Like, the Raptors, I don't even know what type of potion they gave to OG Ananobi because if the Bridges deal is a steal, the Ananobi thing is, like, criminal. He's making, like, 16 a year or something like that, 18 a year. That's even crazier. But aside from that one, Mikhail came in under just about everybody else. Jalen Brown, he's he's right there with Jonathan Isaac, a guy who hasn't even played basketball in like two and a half years. Um, but if you go to 538, which is kind of a fun tool that, I've, that I used around the time we were talking about those extensions to project forward, Mikhail's current five-year market value, so a reminder to everybody, his deal is four years, 84 million. The... Five-year market value, which it's one year past this that, that contract, so you know, take it with a little bit of a apples to, to oranges, but 103 million is what 538 projection that, and that's just from like a stats standpoint, right? That's just like yeah. plug in his, his numbers, plug in his age, what is he going to be, whatever, and they have him at 103, which <laughs> is 20 million more than he's getting paid. Like, I want the guy to make money. I'm not trying to root for like, oh, the yeah. son screwed him. Like, rock on Robert Sarver. Hell yeah. But <laughs> I do think it's just crazy to show how much he's already exceeded basically what the sons were, you know, what they were able to agree on just a few months ago. Like, that was at least fair for the two sides that mattered back in October. And now we're in February and it already looks like the Suns are, are underpaying him and he has three more years to go on this thing. Like it is incredible how much he has uh, continued to improve and he's, he's he's 24, but he has not slowed down. Yeah. I just don't think they expected the jump, like the jump in aggressiveness that he is on offense now, like even with him defending, like I knew he was just going to keep getting better on defense, especially with Chris Paul around, like Chris Paul is going to teach you people's tendencies and you already have the longest arms and you have great feet. And I just knew he was always just going to keep getting better on defense. It's when he's like, he'll, when we like need a bucket and he like gets down low and he'll take the smaller person into the post that thinks that they just have like, they can relax on him on defense and he takes them down low and he can just get a bucket whenever he wants. And I think that adding that to his game you just didn't expect it. <laughs> so I just no. think the offensive standpoint, like I think that's where the money comes in is they just always going to be a defensive specialist and always going to be like a great slasher. But I just don't think that they were quite expecting or he wasn't quite expecting like just the aggressive that that he was going to need on offense. And he's just kept he just kept getting better. Yeah, the craziest part, I think, of his kind of bump in play lately has been the fact that it's happening late in games, you know, like it's not yeah. just like, oh, he'll get some first quarter buckets and then in the fourth quarter he'll just go stand in the corner. Like he he's keeping that mindset going and the guys trust him even, you know, big time you know, minute and a half left in a game 
you know, they, they're fine with like, he's going to attack a closeout and like keep the ball, make something happen. And yeah, there was, I think there was one of those against the yesterday. Rockets. Yeah. Well, when, against when Jalen Chris, Green. I was just going to say that. Yeah, and he goes yeah. to the left and he shoots the fadeaway to the left. When we like, it was like with three minutes left and yeah. he just like, and they really and, needed a, sh- a bucket in that moment. Yeah. And he got them one. Yeah. It yeah, wasn't last like, year. <laughs> yeah. Last year he would have never even like attempted something like that in the crunch time and just like a fadeaway over. I think he's not like a great defender, but just like needing a bucket. And it's like, it looks like a tough shot, but he just seems really comfortable shooting it. And he would have never done that last year. Yeah. You can, you can see it by what he's not doing anymore too. Like there was, it was part of why I think it was so frustrating for Suns fans, you know, whether it was in the finals or just watching the guy over the course of his career and not seeing that, step forward in that aspect of his game is because it wasn't for a lack of opportunity even prior to this. Like, I think that trust has been there. I think it's him accepting it because what I was saying about him not doing is like, there were so many moments the first three seasons, even earlier this year where he would have a lane. And how many times have we seen him pick his dribble up and just pass the ball back out? It's like, (laughs) what are you doing? Like you guys are up 15. You're better than this team. Like, it's not going to hurt anything for you to go try to get a layup or try to draw a foul. And uh, his, his usage rate, which is, you know, it's not the only thing that matters in this type of a, of a case, but I think it's relatively useful. And he actually is lower this season than he is last season, if you're just looking at the full year. But in February, nine, uh, nine games, he's at 17.6%, which is just it basically shot attempts and turnovers. So assists don't count in there. But... 17.6%, which is like three percentage points higher than his full season mark is. So like this month for for sure has has it's shown up in the numbers that he is being more aggressive. And I guess the the point is just, you know, can he continue that for the full seat? Like is is it something that he can keep building on? Can he do it in moments where he's also having to guard an elite playmaker? Like if he's chasing Steph around for 40 minutes a night in a Western Conference Finals, can he yeah. also be that on offense? And that's a huge thing to ask of somebody. But I also wonder, like, does he need to? Like, I don't necessarily know if any one guy, I think that's what's been so cool about this season is, does any one guy need to do it? Or is it just the little incremental growth from from Bridges, from Johnson, from Ayton, from whoever, where it's like, okay, it's going to be Booker and Paul. And then that third option, maybe it's not one person, but it's like we feel more comfortable with like three or four guys now than we did at, in last year's playoffs. I think that might be more of what it is. And then Bridges can just be a part of that. Yeah, I think it's just like everybody got a little bit better. Like I think like Cam Johnson and uh, Bridges, they both got great at the one thing we kind of needed from them in the playoffs at the same time. It's just aggression and trying to get to the bucket. Like Cam Johnson became a way better three-point shooter this year too. Oh, I mean, I think the finals actually helped that too because he was hot during the finals. But I think both of them are making an effort to get to the basket. And I think last year they didn't have that. And I think in the playoffs, they know that that's just going to be needed to get to the basket. And it's just, they were young and they're just like slowly learning like the game still. And I think like Chris Paul is just one of those things to have around. It's just, you got to just up your game every, a little bit, at least every year. And those two, and pretty much everybody, they've gotten a little bit better at certain things that we needed from that playoff series like this year. And it seems like they all watch film and they learned pretty quickly that what they needed to change. It's incredible. And again, I, I do give a lot of the credit to Chris for for helping to bring that out of guys. But 
it's everybody. I mean, it's money yeah. building a system. It's it's a culture where guys feel like, hey, I can actually try some stuff. It's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to lose my teammates' confidence. And I think Bridges is is probably the biggest beneficiary of that. But 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 Cam Johnson probably right there behind. I want to correct myself. I was actually on last year's projections on 538. Mikael Bridges is five year market value right now which was updated just before this season, is $127 million. Um, I think it was right around the time that he actually signed that deal that that it got updated there. But Cam Johnson, again, just before the season, so that one makes a lot more sense. He he hadn't yet really broken out. It's at $51 million. So I'm I'm really interested to see, like, whenever they update this again, what does Cam's explode up to? Because, like, the guys that he... They have, like, the 10 most comparable players. It's... Davis Bertans, it's actually James Jones, number two, uh, Brian Cook, Patrick Patterson, Timothy Luwawu. <laughs> like these are guys he's he's completely blown past. So I'm 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 fascinated in that one too. But uh, let's close things out with uh, let's have some fun with Aaron Holiday. I actually do think it's interesting because it's going to bring up some questions when Cam when campaign and Landry Shamit get back. But uh, I you you got to get these. Aaron Holiday passion takes off as well, Aaron. I, I, I feel like they're too confined being on Twitter. You got to let them breathe a little bit more. Uh, first, though, guys, today's show brought to you by Built Bar. This time of year is pretty difficult to keep up with those New Year's resolutions. You tell yourself, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to get protein, I'm going to get vegetables and fruit and whatever, and then it starts to fall apart. You get busy, whatever. It, you, you, go, you start going back to the snack drawer a little too often. We all do it. It's every year. But I know that personally, I have had a lot of success keeping up with the protein, keeping up with healthier snacks, thanks to Built Bar. And it's not just the Built Bar Classic Bar, it is also Built Bar Puffs. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, meaning they're fluffy, soft, and delicious. And they're not just a protein bar, they are more like a treat, covered in 100% real chocolate, just like every single Built Bar is, and having that creamy inside as well with incredible New flavors, they did not just transfer over the normal flavors and make them into a puff. No, they reinvented the whole thing. Cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, and of course, just like every Bilt Bar, low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bar, go to that snack drawer, put a pack of Bilt Bars in there instead of whatever you typically go to. It'll get you through the day, it'll power you up before or after a workout, it'll help you stick to what you would like to be doing. Go to Bilt.com, check it all out. Scroll through the puffs. They have a ton of delicious flavors. Lemon cheesecake is my favorite. And use the promo code LOCK15 when you make your purchase to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, I tweeted at the game last night, Aaron, that I was predicting that Aaron Holiday was at some point in a big playoff moment going to steal an inbounds pass and get a layup (laughs) out of it. And uh, Suns fan base was going to just turn him into an absolute legend and fall in love. I got pushback on it, but not because people disagreed. There were people mostly who were saying we are far beyond falling in love with him. Like we're there already. <laughs> like we don't need a playoff moment. It's happened already. It took three games and people are, are fully on board. He got six times as many minutes as Alfred Payton did last night. How are you feeling about the holiday experience? How does it feel to have a, a fellow Aaron on the team? What just Just bring me into your world right now. I think cool name, cool first name aside, like everything about him, like I think just the holiday family, I just think those dudes 
just know who they are. And that's like the yeah. big deal with him. He didn't have like a filling out process with the Suns. He knew who he was when he got on the floor. And I think that was like my favorite thing about him is he was defending dudes hard and getting shots up and being aggressive. And it didn't need like a filling out with who's on the floor with him. And I hope these guys don't mind me doing this. Like he knows who he is like the second he gets on the floor. And that was like my problem with Elf was he was just like, too like inconsistent and he didn't know what he wanted to do he didn't know who he was on the floor and he's been in the league so long like i just think aaron holiday just going out on the floor and knowing what he wants to do immediately is just exactly what we needed even with shaman like he just seems like oh can i do this can i do that and just to do this young going out on the floor be like i'm doing this like this is my thing i'm doing it and i just think monty just saw that immediately aaron holiday said that Monty told him that he had been watching him for a long time, and I believe it. I think that is the exact kind of dude that Monty would want to have on the Suns that just, like, he sees the holidays in general. They grind you down, they defend you hard, and annoy the hell out of you, and he is also aggressive on offense, and I just, like, I just love his game. He's just really good. Yeah. No, he's been – the defense is, I think, the part that I didn't really pick up on, just, like, seeing him here and there when he wasn't on the Suns. I didn't necessarily know he was a guy who was actually going to be able to pick up point guards, guard you full full court, like steal those inbounds passes, stuff like that. I had no idea that was really like part of his game. I think I just, because he was smaller than Drew yeah. or Justin, I was like, okay, he's probably more of like an offensive guy. But yeah, he's going to be at a disadvantage because he's a little smaller, but he has that same intensity at the very least. And I mean, that's huge. So I agree. And, and honestly huge testament to like the way that James Jones can can scout or that the whole front office is able to find guys who they know will fit here it's the second year in a row where it's like all right we'll see what happens and then something about Tory who I guess it's it's doubly now but and then and then Aaron Holiday this year like they they just become something more than we ever had seen and it's like some somehow they're, you know, the Suns front office watching the rest of the league and they're able to just identify, you know, in the draft too, Cam Johnson, like maybe that guy is not, you know, the apple of everybody's eye. Like he's not the exact player that the whole league is going to target in terms of, you know, upside and all that. But like, we believe he'll fit here and they've gotten it right more often than not. It's crazy. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I, just, I when we even got Aaron holiday, I was like, sure. Like, I think we played him when he was against the wizards and he was aggressive and he attacked Chris Paul the entire time. And I was like, Oh, this dude is like really like good. I didn't know that there was another holiday kind of thing. And yeah. now that he's on our team, it was just like the what I saw on the Wizards, he did immediately when he got here. Like it's just crazy that he like Monty must have just told him, like, just do that and you're fine. And he just gets out on the floor and he's like aggressive immediately. And you could tell Monty was probably trying to like be nicer to Elf and like give him some of those minutes that he was getting before. But during the Houston game, like after he gets a bucket and then a steal and another bucket and he's aggressive, he attacks alley oops. He attacks people at the point of like attack at the rim. Like he just does everything. And I just think the eye test, even it's just hard to keep putting elf on the floor when a dude that can do that is out there. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think he's, it never really. And, and like, I think there's a certain amount of it. I know Knicks fans didn't really like Peyton either. I don't know. He's, in reality, like he's probably a guy who's like 13th, 14th, 15th man. Like he should be in the NBA, but I just, yeah. if you're playing him a consistent amount, it's probably not going to go well. I mean, unless there's a situation we just haven't seen for him yet, but 
it never felt like a good fit for exactly the reasons that we ended up seeing. He's not comfortable shooting the ball. He doesn't always make the best decision and he holds onto the ball too much. So it's like when you have Holiday, who he probably, you know, he's not as big as, as Peyton. He's not like the physical defender. He's probably not going to be quite the same like physical presence as a finisher in theory. But then you see him on the floor. It's like, yeah, that's what the Suns really needed. They didn't need some of the stuff that Peyton was trying to do for them. They needed this. So, yeah, I think 20 minutes last night compared to just three for Peyton, I think I think we're, we're past the days of Alfred Peyton being a, a major part of the rotation. Like, Holiday earned it. I mean, he, yeah. Lonnie made him earn it, and he did. So I guess my question for you is, one, does he take Landry Shamit's spot in the rotation? Do you, do you think we're going to see that happen over the, the rest of the year? And two, would if you were to just guess now, like, do you think he's somebody who we actually see play minutes in the playoffs? Um, I think Monty and I think just James Jones in general, because he made the move and he had wanted him before, I think. I think they're still going to give Shamit just some time to see if he can acclimate himself and figure it out. Because there's been some times this season where he has been good, but he went on a really cold stretch before he got hurt. When he was starting just, for book. Yeah. That was the best stretch he he had. So maybe it's just about, you know, empowering him, giving him that confidence back. I don't know. Yeah, but I think, like, if Aaron Holiday just keeps this up, I think he has the perfect game for the playoffs because they swallow their whistles more and he's aggressive and he, like, is he stays up in you. And I just think, like, having that type of player that is confident and aggressive is just a really good player to have on the floor for, like, short bursts in the playoffs, especially him yeah. in campaign, like, I just think those two, it's two small guards on the floor, and I'm interested to see that lineup before the playoffs start. But I would just like, I just think that would just be a really good spark to have in just like a really close playoff game. Yeah, the Shaman thing is disappointing. You're probably right that they'll, when he comes back from injury, they'll they'll start by giving him his minutes back. But, uh, and part of that is just making sure the investment doesn't go <laughs> too bad. Yeah. You gotta like, even if you're planning on trading him this off season when he makes more money and it's easier to, to match up with another team's salary for a trade, even if that's the plan or it's like in the back of their minds, you gotta have some sort of value for that to work yeah. out. And he doesn't have any right now. He's now been, you know, lost a, a spot in the rotation and been inconsistent on three different playoff teams. And it's tough. Like, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't have a great answer for it. But a guy who plays hard and, and does his job is the exact type of guy that can go take minutes from Shamit, who's like a theoretically good player, but just hasn't gotten it figured out. Like, Holiday is now there to put pressure, too. And it's going to make him more versatile, too. You're talking about some of those lineups. Like, yeah, I think I saw you talking about the, uh, the, the CP Holiday lineups, which have been really fun. That's an option. Payne and Holiday is an option. Holiday and Booker is an option. Like, they now at every single position have like so many different varieties of how they can play lineup wise. It's uh, it's going to be really hard to deal with. It's going to be hard to game plan for. So um, yes, we're being ridiculous. Yes. Aaron tweeted two days ago, put Aaron holiday in the rafters. I've seen enough, <laughs> but I do think it's actually legit. I, it's, it's, this is not just a folk hero type of deal. I think he's going to be actually pretty impactful, but uh, any final thoughts heading into all-star weekend, Monty wouldn't commit to whether he was going to trap book, uh, on the other team, he he kept his uh, he kept his cards close to the vest. There, what do you think? Um, I hope he plays uh, book five minutes and just lets him relax for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I just hope he plays everybody else a lot of minutes. Like, I just really hope book gets a nice break. Yeah, let's hope that uh, let's hope that Chris 
just doesn't play at all because I I was <laughs> yeah. hoping we might have an, a, an update on the wrist thing by the time we recorded. Yeah. Nothing came out. We still don't know if he'll even be active. It's probably too late to get a, a replacement in there, really, but it might just be one of those things where he's an honorary all-star and he just sits on the bench. That would be actually my vote. I don't, I've don't. i seen Chris Paul play in all-star games plenty. I don't. There's nothing new to yeah. see there. He can enjoy Cleveland, bring his kids, have a great weekend, enjoy, but... Uh, I don't. I don't actually need to see that book. I'm. I'm interested. Like it's still one of his first times out there. And yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll 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 embrace that. But no, uh, it should be fun. I'll do a, a recap show, kind of just having fun with whatever happens out there on Sunday from a Monty Chris book standpoint, and then uh, some fun shows coming next week, guys, to fill the time while we're waiting for more Suns games. We have a roundtable with the network on uh, from with the Warriors, Grizzlies, and uh, Jazz hosts. Um, have a talk with Nick. The Knicks hosts came at me and said they wanted to talk about it, what it would take to poach DeAndre Ayton. So we'll see where that <laughs> show goes. I'll post that one up on the feed as well. But uh, that'll be the itinerary for the next little while. Aaron will be back next week. You can catch him at All Caps NBA over on the Take Line YouTube channel. Support that show. It's great. And uh, we'll be back next week. Cool.